The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to another episode of Girls Talking Boys on the Blogging Boys Network in partnership with SB Nation. I am Meg Murray and I am finally taking a breath from consuming all the Vanderpump Rules drama to talk about the Cowboys with John Mishota from The Athletic. How are you doing, John? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? You know, um, all I think about is Vanderpump Rules reality TV drama. So, you know, great. Really fulfilling. (laughs) I honestly, I mean, I know of it. I have not seen an episode though, so I wouldn't be able to give you're, you anything. You are okay. Somehow they made it, made it on the CNN ticker, and I was like, "That's how I know we have all lost it." So, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, speaking of losing it, the Cowboys have made out of character moves and done things in free agency, and it's kind of exciting. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it is exciting. I'm very surprised. Um, I didn't expect them to be trading for proven veteran players. And uh, I thought they'd do something at wide receiver, but I was skeptical of how impactful that addition would be. Um, and for what they gave up for Brandon Cooks, I just think it's a great deal. Same thing with Stefan Gilmore. I mean, they didn't give up a ton. And if either of them pan out or both of them pan out to be really good players, then you didn't give up much. And, and then if they are out on the field this year and it looks like, hey, their best years are behind them, Hey, it was worth a gamble and you didn't give up much. My biggest thing is it just, it finally shows an aggressiveness that I think a lot of people have wanted to see from them for, for a few years now. And so you make moves like that and it's just a sign that, you know, they're, they're in it. They, they believe they have a chance to make a run and with how wide open the NFC is, why wouldn't you feel that way? So it's, it's just good to finally see some of that aggressiveness one from covering this team standpoint of just watching them and evaluating them. But then the other from like our perspective, covering the team where it just, I, if they don't make these moves, I don't even know what I'm trying to sell at going into training camp to the fans. Another, another draft class. Like I, I they had to be aggressive and do something to kind of, um, you know, make it at least appear like, Hey, we're really going all in. This is, we're going to, we're going to try and do some moves that are trying to be aggressive and try and match wits with San Francisco and Philadelphia. And, and Hey, we got a chance to go to Super Bowl Now let's try and do it. And so, yeah, I, I was surprised. And I think both of them are great. It's just rare that this time of year we're talking about the Cowboys being one of the more impactful teams in terms of moves that they've made. Do you think um, the fans 
online bullied them into making a move much like we did with the Zach Martin pick? <laughs> no, the only reason why I'll say that is because <laughs> they made these moves because they weren't going to give up a lot. Yeah. You know, when you hear names like DeAndre Hopkins, and then even if you go back like a month ago, you know, people were talking about like a Stefan Diggs. Well, they weren't going to give up what it would cost to get a, a wide receiver like that. And it sounds like with Hopkins, the, the asking price is coming down, but I would have rather done the Brandon Hopkins deal. Yeah. If DeAndre Hopkins is completely healthy and ready to go and completely bought in, he's, he's a better player than Brandon cooks. It's not even debatable, but Brandon cooks is a really good player. And, and I like what he adds to this offense with the speed. It's something that they needed. And, but they made these moves because they're giving up a fifth round pick, a sixth, a future sixth round pick. I, a player I was really interested in was Jerry Judy from Denver. That was going to cost them at least a second and maybe their first, they were never going to do that, you know? And so it doesn't, I don't, I don't think they were bullied. They would have been bullied into it if they would have made a move. Like, let's say it was like the Amari Cooper trade where they give up a first, yeah. which I wouldn't have had, a, I wouldn't have been opposed to if they were getting a player like Amari Cooper at that, that time back, I wouldn't have been opposed to it, but they're just not going to do something like that. And so, uh, yeah, maybe, Maybe maybe Stephen Jones gets on Twitter and he sees memes of him being called Catboy. I I just doubt it. I would live for that. I want like the social media idea for the team. Someone show him the accounts and get a live reaction. I want to see it so bad. I'm not I'm not lying when I say this. I have the receipts. I texted Hellman uh, a little over a week ago, so probably right before free agency started. Yeah, and I and I sent him a couple of. of the ones that I've seen in my mentions. And I go, I'm going to do a story for the athletic where all I do is I'm going to take five or six of these pictures. I'm going to go up to Steven at training camp and I'm going to be like, have you ever seen these? And I'm just going to get his reaction to each one and then, and then write a story off of it. I don't just want you to do that. I need you to do that. I'm going to have to be picky because there's some that are pretty inappropriate, but I think the one with like the cat boy hat. And then there's one with like, yeah. And then there's one with like some clown paint. And uh, there's some other ones I think I'd come together four or five, but I mean, he's going to, if he's in a good mood and, he, and he's willing to play along, I think it could be really funny. Yeah. Um, but if it's just one of those things where he feels disrespected, then I don't think it's going to turn into that interesting of a story, you know? I mean, it would probably be your most clicked article of all time. <laughs> <laughs> probably, especially if he gives good answers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you just got to make what he needs to share a McGriddle with pops in the morning and then maybe come out. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Man. More McGriddle stuff for sure. <laughs> I'll never get over the salt. I just won't. It was iconic. You know, when things like that happen, um, you know, for all the negative that there is, and there's a ton with, let's say Twitter, just social media in general, but yeah. I'm always intrigued by the comments under a post like that. When you, you know, I mean, I post something off. I know a lot of other people did too, but you know, there's a lot of people that respond to that. Like, you know, my grandpa does that all the time. And it's, it's just interesting to see how, like, when something is seems so crazy to you and then you just see all these people being like, oh, yeah, yeah. So-and-so does this. I know a person that does that. Or, yeah, no, it tastes better when they do that. You know, like uh, I saw one, uh, uh, I think Bobby Belt tweeted recently uh, oh, God. <laughs> of like of someone putting like honey on like a pepperoni and pineapple pizza or whatever like that. And I mean, to me, that just seems so disgusting. But I mean. I don't know. Some other people so are into that. So you've had, you've never had like a hot honey, um, like pepperoni pizza. No, I'm not a big honey person at all. I'm, I'm like, I mean, especially not on something like pizza. No, I wouldn't do that. Never. No. Oh my God. It's, it is life changing. If you, 
I believe it's uh, at Cane Rosso. <clears throat> if you go there and get the, I think it's the honey badger. It's um, like a hot salami and a hot honey and it's delicious. You're just talking to the wrong person. I'm extremely picky. Either, I, know. So I don't, I don't I really just... try stuff like here. I can give you one that's even crazier than that. I don't like, uh, I don't like a bunch of, uh, the, like the honey butter all over the biscuits at, um, at Whataburger. Straight I don't like it. I, I don't like it. Like just drenched in like honey that's butter. That's a criminal I offense. I know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm telling you, it gets way worse than that. Believe me, this I'm is another pissed. series that you need to get on. Like, yeah, make uh, make John try foods that we know he'll hate. <laughs> no, not not gonna happen. It would be funny though, for me. Maybe not everyone else. <laughs> yeah, but um, back to the D hop thing. I think that was something that people were really buzzing about that, and especially I know there was talks of you know, he really wanted to be a cowboy and he was willing to like drop his price really willing to come here for kind of whatever, you know, in a, in a sense. Um, do you think that like the, them not going through with that or pursuing it had anything to do with like Mike McCarthy being the play caller? He has a specific like set of guys with talents and stuff that he's like really looking for. Or is, was it just like, we don't believe you, you're not going to work with us on this. So I will say this, um, you know, I watched, I watched a decent amount of the hard knocks, um, in the middle of the season with the Cardinals. And there were just some moments in there where Deandre Hopkins and Kyler Murray were kind of getting into it. And it just not something you really seen, like, let's say from the Cowboys, not since maybe, maybe early in Dez's career. Um, and so there were some things right there that made me wonder, like, I wonder how he'll fit in the locker room and stuff like that. And I bring that up only because like everything I've heard and then just from, you know, obviously, we, I mean, it's only a 15 minute conference call with each player, but there's just no questions about Brandon Cooks and Stefan Gilmore fitting in, you know? And so, and that was a big thing too with, um, you know, when Odell Beckham talk all started last, like whatever it was, November, December, there were just many, many occasions, whether it was on the record, off the record, when Mike McCarthy was talking about Odell, he just would bring up about all the people he knew that would just vouch for, man, he's a great teammate, he's a great teammate, stuff like that. So I think he, especially if you're Mike McCarthy, I mean, you're going into, this could potentially be your last season as head coach. And that's not to say that he thinks that of Deandre Hopkins. I'm just coming up with trying to spitball because, to be honest with you, I haven't ever heard anything from the Cowboys being interested in him. This was always fan-driven, yeah. outside-driven. You know, I heard Brian Broaddus talking on 105 Through the Fan that – um Hopkins might've been one of the receivers that went over to uh, Dak's house. And um, cause I know he's been working out in Dallas and stuff like that. This just, I mean, it's kind of got a little bit of Odell feel where like the player really wants it, but now does the organization, but that's just me just throwing out something. I don't even know if there's any truth to how he thinks he would fit or anything like that. I would say it probably is leans closer to this and that's where's the money at, you know, how much are they going to have to pay him? And well, how does that compare to a Brandon cooks where, as you see, after the deal is done, Houston takes on six million of that, uh, whatever, eighteen million for this season. So, I think the money was probably more, and then also the fact that he's coming off of an injury. I think that stuff probably matters more. But I, I I'm, I guarantee you, they're not going to add anybody that Mike McCarthy doesn't think would be a good fit in this locker room, just because it's like this is such a big year for. I mean, obviously the team, but but him too. So I don't know. I don't know how they feel about how DeAndre Hopkins would fit because frankly, he's on another team. And when a player's on another team, 
you're not going to talk about them like that. You know, it was easy to talk about Odell because Odell is a free agent. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult for me to say for sure. I'm just throwing out, you know, whatever speculation, I don't know for certain, uh, why that they weren't as interested in him. But then there's also the fact of, Hey, we're deep into the second week of free agency and, and, and he still hasn't been traded. So, you know, I mean, it's not like just the Cowboys aren't knocking down the door from obviously there are a ton of other teams that are willing to meet whatever the Cardinals are asking for him. Well, okay. So the, with the Brandon cooks move, I think everyone was pretty jazzed about it. I mean, again, we talked about like they never make moves. So this was just shocking in general, but the fact that they like pretty immediately were able to restructure that deal. um, Can you, Explain the restructuring to me like I'm a baby. <laughs> um, so basically it just, it, it pushes money down the road yeah. in terms of on what accounts against the salary cap, but like, like the players aren't giving up any money. They're not taking any right. less money. They're still going to get their money. It just, what it does is it kind of mortgages the future where you're going to be paying some dead money on some guys. You know what I mean? Like, like next year, you know, they're still going to be paying Zeke. You know, there were several years after Romo was gone that they were still paying him. The reason it doesn't matter as much as if you have a good, solid, young team, which is what they continue to try and build through the draft. You can take some of that on because you have the other key players on your team that you're not, they're on rookie contracts. You're not paying them a ton. You know I mean? For example, it's easier to take on having to pay that Romo number when Dak still, he's your starting quarterback and he's on a rookie fourth round pick contract. So, you know, it just has to balance out. So what I would say is, with them restructuring a bunch of deals and pushing money down the road, that doesn't mean that they're not doing anything that's going right. to, you know, prevent them from re-signing CD or Micah Parsons and, and, and Trayvon Diggs. Now it might prevent them from maybe making a bigger move two, three years from now, because they might be kind of tight against the cap. Because I mean, CD is going to be paid like one of the highest wide receivers and, and Mike is going to be paid as the highest defensive player in the game, as long as he keeps producing like he has. And so um, it's not a huge deal right now. And frankly, even if it was, I don't even think fans should care where this team is right now. You should be doing things like that. This is the time. And it, and it's, and like I said, it, it's because of where this team is age wise, you know, key pieces like, you know, Dak and, and Zach Martin and Tyron Smith and things like that, Marcus Lawrence. But it's also the fact of where the NFC is now when Aaron Rodgers goes over the jets. I mean, this NFC is completely wide open from a quarterback standpoint, and that's the most important position by far. You know, it, it I mean, it's not like, this is the thing, like, as we see here today, I probably would rank the Cowboys third behind the 49ers and Eagles, but the four, the Eagles and, and Cowboys are neck and neck. It could go either way. I'm, I'm going off of like the very latest, like odds I've seen in Vegas. So it's neck and neck. It's close. I give a slight, slight edge to the Eagles, but it's so close. And the Niners, yeah, they've made some moves, but it's not like they're so much better that you're just like, oh, I don't know how you're going to be. It's just wide open. I mean, there's there really aren't any excuses for the Cowboys to make a deep run this year. There really aren't. And so go get these pieces, go get these two guys that have played in Super Bowls that can add that type of experience to a lot of young pieces and, and make a run at it. Yeah. I, I think the, the part of the restructuring that like surprised me, I guess is like, I just, have they done something that, like, like that before? It just seemed too smart. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, in terms of, are you talking about with his contract, like getting the Texans to pay some or, or them restructuring his, his deal? Cause they restructured his. Like, yeah. Like immediately almost. Yeah. Um, they have done it before. I mean, the Cowboys restructure yeah. a lot of deals and they have for a while. So I can't sit there. I can't say I mean, that it's, it's anything different. Kind of like, well, yeah. that just seems like a smart move to make. And I wasn't expecting it from you. 
Well, yeah. Um, I just keep going back to that. They really like these opportunities to get Stefan Gilmore and Brandon cooks and for what they gave up for them, they, they didn't give up a lot. And so um, they're, they're good moves. I wouldn't say that they're super bold because of the fact that if they don't work out, you're really not losing a lot. You know, it's like some of these running backs, they sign, you might see like them sign, like, uh, you know, uh, they re-sign Rico Dowdle and uh, they signed Ronald Jones and, and that's fine, but there's a draft that's coming up and I expect them to draft a running back in the first three rounds. And when they do that, that guy is going to be getting a lot of touches because running backs play immediately. So those moves are fine, but that, that doesn't necessarily, those are like insurance moves for like, if nothing happens in the draft, Hey, we got some guys that we, we like the way that they play. We can lean on them if we need to uh, behind Tony Pollard. And that's that, but I expect them to be looking for a running back very early in this draft that will play immediately. And so, um, but yeah, going back to your, your initial point, I, I do think that they're, they're smart moves. Um, but they're also, they're also somewhat aggressive because it, I mean, the time is to win out. You wouldn't be doing this if, if this was a really young team and you felt like their window to win it all was in like two or three years. I mean, yeah. you might only be getting one, one year out of Stefan Gilmore and Brandon cooks, you know? So it's, it's about what you do this year. It isn't about, Oh, we, we got to build with these guys. And that, that's not it. This is about this year. I guess I'm just conditioned to them being done at this time of the year. So I'm like, just happily surprised with everything they do. But um, yeah. speaking of the state of the running back core. Um, yeah. They've, you know, made a couple moves to that regard. Um, do you think Tony Pollard, he signed the franchise tag, which is not surprising. Do you think there's a longer deal to be made with him? And do you think they'll actually like pursue that? I think they will on a deal that would benefit them and it'll be a low ball deal. That'll be team friendly. And to be honest with you, I think that that is a smart business move because of the position. I mean, you just, I don't think it's smart to have running backs in their sixth, seventh, eighth years. I mean, I mean, you'd have to be a real rare back to, to being willing to, they just get too much wear and tear. And, and for how, like I said, it's one of those positions that if you get the right guy, he can play immediately. That They don't have to sit there for two, three years. And then all of a sudden, like, for example, tight end is a position where, hey, sometimes guys perform well right away. Sometimes it takes a guy two, three years like Dalton Schultz. And then all of a sudden they become a really good starter for you. With running backs, generally, you know what you have right away. And I, and I feel that way also from the perspective of um, even in a college football sense, like there's a lot of like of the elite elite like top couple running backs in the country in high school they usually go to that college that they whether it's ohio state alabama georgia they can usually contribute right away i mean it is a position that's a either you can run the ball or you can and if you can do it at an elite level you can probably do it on on the on the next level up pretty quickly so i think that they're going to draft a running back this year if things just fall in a way where they don't see it they don't get a guy that they like um then maybe they they add one in the fifth or sixth round and then you go into next year's draft where um, you, you looked at like, that's really like one of your, your top targets is to go after a running back and, and see how Tony Pollard does this year. You know, I mean, he'll probably get more of a workload because of that. And if he performs well, then maybe they come back and, and, and they try and get a deal done next year at this time. I just don't see that. I would say if I'm betting right now, Tony Pollard's gone next year and somebody they draft this year or next year is, is their lead back. It's I kind of, it's it, kind of a, it's kind of a ruthless business, but that's just, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like that's kind of the direction they would be going, you know, considering they got rid of Zeke, but do you think the, the injury 
um, with Tony Pollard as a concern going into the season, like, is he expected to be at training camp or what's the deal with all that? We, I don't think I've heard an update on it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see it as being a, a significant, it's not a, it's not like Dax injury where, you know, you have, you have not only a fracture, but it's a compound fracture. The bone breaks through the skin. It's not like a, um, you know, like a knee injury, like for example, like Terrence Steele, Terrence Steele, there's, there's some gray area there. You know, I've heard some good reports about, you know, what he's been doing up at the star and working his way back, but an ACL and an MCL, I mean, there's no guarantee that he's going to be ready for the start of training camp. He might start training camp on the physically unable to perform. Steven Jones told us at the combine that he thinks Pollard will be ready for the start of training camp. I think there's a good chance he will be too. And, and, and frankly, with what he's already proven on the field, it's okay. So he's not, you would never have that guy, even if he's hundred percent healthy, that guy's not taking a single snap in the preseason. There's no reason for it. And in training camp, like I wouldn't even have him running, running in practice. I'd have him doing some walkthrough stuff and that would be it anyway. I'm trying to keep him as healthy as possible. So um, it's not like he's a young back that needs to get out there and show what he can do. They know what he can do. So I don't, I expect him to be their, their starter and ready to go week one. I mean, you bring up a good point about Terrence Steele. Um, I feel like everyone is just talking about the O-line and like our needs as far as drafting and all that stuff goes. And they're just like, well, Terrence Steele will be there. Like that's a given. And, you know, I, I just don't feel that way. And I feel as though like that's a pretty imminent need that you need to fill that O-line and like have at least have some like more backup guys too. Like, I don't even care where you want to draft those guys at, but um. Do you think, and you said that you think they are going to try to draft a running back in the like early rounds. Do you think they'll try to do that with O-line as well? Do you think they'll focus on that? Are they really like, what position do you think they're going to focus the most on? Yeah, I think it'll be guard. And and the reason why is because they see Terrence Steele as their future right tackle and they see Tyler Smith as their future left tackle. And so if you get a guard in let's say the second or third round, you can plug that player in at left guard and Tyler Smith can start at left tackle. And if Terrence Steele isn't ready to go, Tyron Smith can start at right tackle. Like he played at the end of last season. I think it's, I think that that would be in their best interest to go that route because then that would make Tyron Smith, your swing tackle to start the season. And if you've watched the Cowboys enough over the last few years with all the injuries they've had, that's certainly not the, a swing tackle that only plays a few snaps a game. That's a swing tackle that's probably starting games four games into the season. So I think it's a smart move to do that if they go that route because you have this veteran that can play right or left tackle. He can come in and be a swing tackle and be your extra tackle in, in some situations where you need a, a bigger front line. But then also you're also protecting Tyron from another injury and, and keep him as healthy as possible as you can later into the season. And so I don't, and I just don't see them drafting a tackle. I think that guard makes more sense because you feel so good about Terrence Steele and Tyler Smith going forward. You don't really have a left guard you feel great about. And Zach Martin, when the season starts, I think in November, he'll turn 33. So I was saying on our About Them Cowboys podcast, I could see Zach Martin playing at a high level to 37 or 38. I could see Zach Martin walking away from the game in two years. You just don't really know. So I just think it'd be really wise if the right guard is there. I think that would make a lot of sense because I think that the interior of their offensive line, it, it not only does it need a starting left guard, but I think it needs depth. And so you draft a player there and, and let's say, and, and you know, they come out of camp and they're like, no, we're going to start Tyler Smith at left guard. Tyron Smith's going to start at, at left tackle and Terrence is ready to go. 
okay, well, that guard is still going to be available at some point this season. They're going to need them at some point. There's injuries too often, and you only dress, I think, eight offensive linemen most games, maybe nine sometimes, but you're tr- it's not like you have a ton of guys in the bench where you're just going 10, 15 deep over there. Like, you can only carry so many on game day, and they need they need depth at guard. So to answer your question, I'd say if it was a perfect, perfect scenario, I would say they would draft in the first three rounds they would probably end up with a defensive tackle, a running back and an interior offensive lineman. And you could also probably sprinkle tight end in there somewhere, um, you know, maybe in the third or fourth round. Uh, I think that those are their four biggest needs and I wouldn't reach for any of them. I would just take the best player available, but if it's close between that, that player and another player, I would lean towards those positions. Do you think they, Oh, everyone's talking about Bijan. Do you think that's like a realistic pick? I mean, I do if he's there at 26. I don't think they would trade up for him. I think he's got to make it to 26. So about three times during this time of year, we three different times, all the writers at The Athletic get together and we pick, we do a mock draft. Where we pick in the first round for the team that we cover. And so yeah. we just did one earlier this week and – at 26, B. John Robinson was there, and I I couldn't pick him fast enough. I mean, it wasn't even up for debate. Um, so, and I even at at when we were at like I want to say 21 or 22, you know, we're in a Slack channel, and there's a lot of a lot of guys are like looking for trade backs and things like that. And I seriously considered a trade up to like 23, 24. I'm like, I'll move up a couple spots to go get B. John Robinson. I don't think they would do that. But if he's there at 26, absolutely he's in play. Yeah. I mean, they were looking at they were looking at running backs a lot at the combine. And so uh if he was there at 26, I mean, you just have this dynamic playmaker, you plug him in immediately, and for the next five years, you have one of the best backs in the NFL that that is a, is an outstanding runner, outstanding in the passing game. Um, I just think it would be it would be a, just a no no-brainer, home run hit. If if he's there, take him. I don't know hundred percent if they would, and I think that they'll get criticized if they don't, if he's there. The only reason why I say I don't know if they will is because Mike McCarthy really has never taken a when he's been in Green Bay. Uh, they never took a running back in the first round. Um, and, and obviously, since he's been here, they haven't. And I also don't get the sense that they would have taken Zeke uh, at four if Mike McCarthy was the head coach, you know, back in 2016. That was Jerry, Jason Garrett wanted the team built like, you know, they built it with Emmett and that. And so they needed Zeke. And that's one of the biggest reasons they gave him the contract extension. I don't know that Mike McCarthy looks at running back quite the same way. Just like, I don't know that he looks at tight end quite the same way. Like, you know, a lot of people have talked about tight end in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised if, because it's so deep at tight end that they wait till the second or third round to, to take one, uh, as opposed to taking the best one at 26. But man, if Bijan Robinson's there at 26, I, I just think they have to take him. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What do you think about, um, I mean, everyone is talking about tight end. What do you think about, like, the guys that we have right now, like Ferguson and Hendershot? Do you think that's a good enough combo, or do you really think that they need to focus on that early on? So, I think it's good enough if you tell me that Peyton Hendershot, Jake Ferguson, Sean McCune are healthy all 17 games and into the playoffs. I just don't, I, I think that's a little unrealistic. And so, and because this draft is so deep at tight end, you could be getting some really good value in the second or third round for uh, a player that might be the fifth or sixth best tight end in this class who might be a top two or three tight end in another class. And so I, I think drafting one would make a lot of sense to add to that group. Um, I also have, I'm also a little cautious there on the whole first round one, because again, Mike McCarthy in Green Bay, now he doesn't have the say in Green Bay that he does now in Dallas, but they never took a tight end in the first two rounds his entire 13 years he was there. The Cowboys haven't drafted a tight end in the first round since David LaFleur in 97. And that was really to fill a major hole because they had just lost Jay Novacek to retirement. And so they had to get a tight end there. I don't get the sense that they feel that way with this current team because of how well Ferguson and Hendershot played. So I just think it it lends more to a hey, second, third round, get, get a player that a hey, they could be a really good starter, maybe not right away, but it gives us solid depth at the position. And then you just move forward there. I just wonder though, they'll also sit there and think, Hey, we got McCune. We got Hendershot. We didn't have to draft those guys. They were undrafted free agents. We can find another guy like that. I'm not a huge fan of that. I would rather just because it is so deep, I'd rather them use a second or third round pick. But um, you know, if there's a defensive end or uh, you know, like a cornerback, even those, those aren't the biggest positions it needs. If there's a really good value there, they're going to take that player because they've shown that they'll take the best player that's available. I have to, uh, I have to ask this question because I feel like it's going around, especially today. Um, do you think Ezekiel Elliott is going to be an Eagle? Um, or do you think that, um, his mom liking tweets and stuff like that is really just like being petty Betty. Cause I, kinda, uh, I hope that's, what I mean, is. I think if they really wanted him and they were, really committed and, and said that they had a lot of playing time for him. I think he'd have a lot of interest. I mean, obviously DeMarco Murray left the Cowboys to go to the Eagles. It's not like these guys won't do go to a, a rival like that, especially when there's no questions. He's got to be disappointed and being released. Um, I don't rule it out. Um, but I just don't know necessarily how, I don't know where the carries really would be for him there. I mean, I mean, there's obviously going to be carries for him, but I don't know that there'd be a lot. Cincinnati makes more sense to me. Um, I, I think he would fit in well there. Um, and then you put him, you know, with Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow redshirted in 2015 at Ohio State when Zeke was tearing it up, you know, and they won the national championship. But they obviously know each other. And, I mean, being an Ohio State guy, you go to Cincinnati and just how the Bengals have been rolling since they drafted Burrow. That makes a ton of sense uh, to me. But I wouldn't completely rule out the Eagles. If the Eagles want him, I could see him being interested in that because – Frankly, I'm like that. And I would be very interested in that too. If you know <laughs> the team moved down from me, I bet. Oh, okay. I'm going to show you. And just, Oh, Hey, by the way, the Cowboys made the absolute right move. There's not even, to yeah. me, it's not even debatable. I, I thought that they clearly made the right move. Uh, moving on. With you, it just, it, 
I feel like I've been getting that a lot. Like, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, I It just made me sad because it's like, he's been just such a big part of the team for so long. Um, and also, I don't know these guys like you guys know these guys. So just let me live my life. Um, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, all the behind the scenes stuff and all that. Zeke, yeah. Zeke's a great team guy. Um, no, I have no issues with anything there. I, I base it solely on just, it's, it's a business and it, you got to make tough decisions and it sucks that he, the, he plays the position that he plays. If Ezekiel Elliott played a different position, if he was a defensive end, I, I wouldn't feel like they had to move on if he was still producing it just at running back. I just think it's such a young man's game. And, and as, as, as terrible as this sounds to say this, it really is. You get a guy for four or five years and you let him tote the rock and when they start dropping off a little bit, which Zeke's numbers are clearly showing that you have to move on. I mean, you just have to, this isn't, you know, yeah. I mean, I'll, okay. If it was Emmett Smith and you had won three Super Bowls, and he's this, you know, one of the greatest backs that have ever played top five, top three backs of all time. I can understand how you might be like, Hey, we got to take this on for another year or two, but the Cowboys are, are not getting to even to the NFC championship game. You got to make some tough decisions. This is about winning a Super Bowl. So I thought it was the right move, but I, uh, at the same time, I totally understand fans. I mean, being sentimental. I mean, it's not just what he did on the field, but it's like also the whole like Dak and Zeke two one four, like the whole yeah. pedal thing, just like that you know, little emo post stuff. that uh, Dak put up made me sad. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sucks, but that's professional sports. You know, yeah. that's why they get paid so much money too, is that um, it's, it's a business and, and yeah, it sucks, but, but yeah, I would be petty if I was him. I would, I would try and go to the Eagles if I was him, if they, if they had snaps for me, the last thing I would do is go to the Eagles so that they could just sit me on the bench and I'm getting like two or three carries a game. I would never do that. Number one for me would be to go some, but some place that would give me some snaps. That's why he didn't, you know, those Adam Schefter put out that post and he, I think he had jets, Bengals and Eagles, it kind of surprised me that uh, the Chargers weren't in there just because Kellen Moore's over there now. Uh, That's a good I, point. I, yeah, it just would be an interesting fit there. Again, they're not expecting him to do what he was doing 2016, 2018, Zeke, but right. uh, on, a, on a cheap deal, I mean, I'm big on the whole idea of living in California. Uh, uh, that's the other thing. That's the other <laughs> thing, though, but I understand it's more expensive to live there, but yeah. that's the other thing where, like I said, if it was me, I would go to the Eagles. No, I wouldn't. Because also none of those teams that he that that were, that Adam Sheffer reported would I go do because I'm not trying to run the ball in the cold three months out of the year. I would be trying to head west. I would try to preserve myself. I mean, he's taken such a pounding. I would not be trying to play Cincinnati outdoors, Jets outdoors, Eagles outdoors. Now I'm good. I'm good with that. I'm trying to play inside or out west. You make a valid point. I will say, I think personally, I hope he ends up with the Bengals, but you make a very good point. No, that would be cool. Dark horse sure. chargers. I'm putting yeah. that down. You might yeah, not be sure. talking to them, but uh, Helen has his number. So, well, Megan, I've already been wrong with the, with the chargers. Cause I thought that they would be a front runner to, um, I really, I really thought they were going to um, sign Cooper rush. So did I, you know, that just seemed like, you know, Nussmeyer's there now uh, with Kellen and, and Kellen obviously, you know, loves Cooper and, and, you know, had, they had a lot of success together. I mean, he went five and one, five, six and one was a starter with the Cowboys with Kellen Moore calm plays. Like, I don't know. Like I thought that, but Hey, good for the Cowboys to get him back on a, on a, on a very team friendly deal. Like I, they're not giving him a ton of yeah. money at all. I think it's like $3 million a year. So I really thought, I thought Cooper, but I also thought Dalton would end up there. Yeah. 
And yeah, I Dalton Schultz. I was I was wrong in that. I thought Dalton Schultz would have a lot bigger market than he did. I mean, to to go to Houston. I mean, you know, like on our conference call the other day with Brandon Cooks, like I asked him about the whole like, man, you know, you go from being on Super Bowl teams with the Rams and and the Patriots, and then you go spend three years with the Texans, and in those three years, they won eleven total games. Like, I mean, which They're is why he's so excited, yeah, to join the Cowboys. That's why, like with Dalton, it's like, man, now you're going to go down there. But that's also why you sign a one-year deal because you want to get back yeah. to free agency next year. But, I mean, you're going to be there, and they're not going to probably win very much. You're probably going to have a rookie quarterback that you're going to have to help bring along. Um, so, yeah, I thought he would get $11, $12 million a year. I really did. So I think he did too. So I was kind of yeah. surprised with that deal. But, hey, you know what? Do your thing. Yeah. Um, I have, I need to get your take on, um, Isaac Alarcon and, uh, going for <laughs> defense and I hope someone gave him a cake to entice him. <laughs> so I see, okay. Boban Marnianovic is a better player than Isaac is, but I see similarities there. They're big time fan favorites. Um, everybody wants them to be successful. They're genuinely good dudes. Um, but I just, I look at it from this perspective. Okay. To go from being an offensive tackle to guard to then defensive tackle, the odds of him being successful at that at an NFL level are just so small. I mean, it's, you have to be so good at any, whatever position you're playing at the NFL, you have to be just so elite at to, to stick with it and, and make it. I mean, so I'm obviously rooting for him, but I mean, it is just so unlikely that that's going to work out. I mean, anytime guys start switching positions at that level, I mean, you know, I think about it from just how rare it is watching football and seeing like a, like a Tony Gonzalez or a Julius Peppers who were able to play basketball at such a high level in college and then go to the NFL and have the success they did. It just, it's so hard to do that. You know, like, you can see it in college a little bit. Like if Isaac Alarcon is at, let's say like TCU and he's making that move or something. Yeah. I, could, I think they're, but the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys, like it's just, it's going to be tough for him to, to, to make the team and, and have success there. But I'm telling you what, I'm looking forward to, you know, rookie mini camp, mini camp, whenever they, I mean, I would expect they're going to try and have him there as much as possible training camp. I'm interested to see what he does. Cause I just frankly can't picture him playing it. Um, I mean, for fans' sakes, I mean, for everybody's sake, it would be a great story. I just, I think it's highly unlikely he makes the team. Do you think that was like a DQ thing or like, why did they even do that to begin with? Oh, I'm sure it got to a point where it was like, hey, we're just going to be honest with you. We don't see you playing on the offensive line. So um, they probably, there were probably some practices and things like that where they'd given them some reps at D tackle, likely for, you know, probably during, you know, during the week during the season, there's injuries and things like that. And you got to fill guys in to play scout team. I wouldn't be surprised if he played some scout team defensive tackle and some practice and things like that. And they're like, Hey, you know, he's actually not too bad here. You know, uh, let's just give him a try, give him some looks or whatever like that. I think it's more of that. They just, they basically were like, Hey, you're not going to get a chance to play on this offensive line. We're trying to go in another direction with some depth and things like that. So if you want to try this, sure, go for it. Um, we're thin at D tackle. So, I mean, on, on the roster right now, they got, you know, Neville Gallimore, uh, Quentin Bohanna, and Oso Digizua. And so they're trying to bring back Jonathan Hankins. Yeah. And and I think they have a good chance of that happening. But I also expect them to draft a defensive tackle. 
he just going to have a hard, hard time in the team. But I, I do think it's funny because fans obviously love him. So they, they care about, you know, where he's going to potentially play. I know this is not realistic, but I just wish that like the Cowboys could have like a reality show. I mean, I would watch the crap out of it. So my thing with that is I agree. I just, it's always going to be at this time now where people in the, in the organization are going to have final say on all this stuff. Cause there's just so much stuff that they don't want to get out. And that last hard knocks, I just thought was kind of bland. And I just, there was a lot of things that were, you know, edited out because it started out really good. I really liked the first episode or two, you know, there were some things yeah. like after Dak got hurt, he, he had the shoulder and just like some of the mic'd up stuff between McCarthy and Dak and things like that. And they just kept getting kind of more vanilla, more vanilla, more vanilla. And then you start getting into these stories about guys that aren't even going to make the team. So I would love it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I would prefer it on a team. I don't cover though, just from the standpoint of like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you would find. I mean, I guess it's good because you'd find out a lot of stuff that you might not otherwise see, but um, yeah, I mean, but that's why hard knocks is so successful. That's why hard knocks is turned into, you know, Netflix having all these different shows about F1 and tennis and golf and, um, pretty good. yeah, that's what I've heard. I haven't watched it yet, but I know the F1 is, and it was oh, just yeah. so successful. So, yeah. People actually watch that now here. Which yeah. Is <laughs> yeah, for sure. I went to F1 like many moons ago. Daniel Ricardo was still like the head driver for Red Bull and, uh, there was like nobody there. Did you go to Austin? Yeah. Okay. So I went to that too. I think it's like circuits of Americas or circuit mm -hmm. of Americas. Yeah. I went to that like uh, maybe like mid mid to late 2000s. I went with a friend and uh, I thought it was cool. The only thing is that I'm not a big fan of like the road courses because there's not much passing and it's it, it kind of yeah. gets slow in the corners and things like that. But yeah, I bet you I bet you in the next couple of years, like it'll continue to it'll continue to grow for sure. And that and that show deserves a ton of credit for it. Yeah. I mean, what they added Miami and they're adding Vegas. Is that OK? Yeah. I don't know if it's yeah. this year. I think it is. That's crazy. Tickets for that are absurd. Yeah. Doing it it's a, I mean, it's an expensive sport, you know? I mean, it's yeah. the cars what the drivers make. You, I mean, you look at the sponsorships that are involved. Like yeah. it's a, it, there's not very much middle of the pack. It's almost all high dollar. I mean, they do a race in Monaco. Like, yeah. That, that Jerry goes to Jerry was just at the one this past year in Monaco. Jerry went with, uh, Oh, of uh, course he went to that. Yeah. He with, uh, his grandson shy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I uh I didn't realize this until someone pointed it out to me, but so Miami's like around what the heart is that Hard Rock Stadium or something? Yeah. Like? Yeah. Um, which is not close to the beach, but like I saw people no. were, like sailgating and I was like, Oh, well, maybe they just like went out in Miami or something. I don't know. And then my friend who went there was like, Oh yeah, actually, um, it was uh they had boats on top of vinyl of water and they were like it was scorching hot <laughs> and like they're nowhere near actual water but they're on boats wow they're, they're doing the whole sailgating thing i was like come on like if you're gonna do miami like do it up like that just sounds terrible to me so yeah no that stadium too is it's not near anything really no. that cool <laughs> and so whenever there's games there you know they'll show you know, some shots of the beach and stuff like that. But it's kind of like when there's games at AT&T stadium and they're showing like 
the stockyards in Fort Worth or downtown yeah. Dallas. And if like you live here, you're like, that's not really that close to be honest with you. The, the way that they fumbled the bag by moving the stadium to Arlington, sorry to Arlington, I went to school there, don't judge me. But <laughs> like, it could have been like in Fair Park or some crap like that. Like that would have been so much better. It would take me eight minutes to get there. I could walk. So now I will say this though. So the reason that doesn't happen is because the fine people of Arlington paid a lot of money for that stadium, you know, and they were willing to pay a huge chunk of it. So obviously that's why Jerry Jones is all about that. One, two is, all right. So you've been to some of those OU Texas games. Like, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't want it. I don't want it right by fair park. Cause I mean, and then again, oh, I don't care. I go, I go three hours before the game, three hours after, but some of those games, when they get out at the old cotton bowl, I mean, okay. you're not going anywhere, you know? Yeah, no, it's really trafficking. But like, if you, as someone who got to Arlington, like, right, like I was there before the stadium was built and I watched it get built. And then I was there like for years after and watched that city change, like, crazy um it was it was not like it was not really meant for that when it was put there and then so (laughs) yeah no i I just i do wonder because i i think the same thing i i wish every stadium was in the downtown area that walking distance um Mm -hmm. i'm like a big fan of going to final fours and the best cities for final fours are always the ones that where it's within walking distance you know that's why new orleans will always get the final four and Indianapolis will always get the final four. Uh, Minneapolis is pretty good too, but like I can see it going out to Vegas because that stadium's right there by the strip, things like that. Um, those what's are the best your, ones. What's your top four ranking for best places to watch the final? What base, best arenas to watch the final four in? Well, none of them are really great now that they do them all at the football stadiums. Um, so none of them are the best to watch them at, but in terms of, I look at the whole t- entire experience. Yeah. And so because of that, you know, it's really is the same four that are in the rotation right now. Yeah. And that's San, An- San Antonio, because it's, everything's walking distance. Uh, that would probably be four. Three would be, um, three would probably be Minneapolis. Um, two would be Indianapolis and one would be new Orleans. So those are, yeah, those are the best spots. I mean, I, like this I would, I would have Indianapolis one it, but it's like even still early April, late March. I mean, it still can be cold up there was like new Orleans. You always know it's probably gonna be pretty decent weather that time of year. Always have a good time. <laughs> yeah. And there's always something to do. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know, like the final four was in Dallas. It's like, again, everything we just said about the stadium and Houston's the same way. It's like where everybody's at and everything's going on. You got, you're going to have to Uber, you know, 15, 20 minutes for where everything's at, you know, so. I know you're going to understand this. Um, I am, you know, really struggling with how to get to and from the Taylor Swift concert. Um, you know, yeah, so. me too. <laughs> me like, too. I just, I've been... game going on that night. Mm. Come on. How long ago did you get these tickets? The day that I was allowed to. So I fought in the and, trenches for those tickets, John. Yeah. And, and how many did you get? Five. Okay. Did you get them for face value or did you have to pay? No, over I got face value on SeatGeek. Oh, that's awesome. Then they went on sale. Yeah. Oh, really? Because I thought that um, 
I thought that you couldn't get them through CE. I thought that they did them like through a separate. Well, so Ticketmaster did did all of them except for uh, Glendale, Arizona, and Arlington, Texas were CE because they're partnered. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I know. What date is First, that? Um, I'm going to the one on the first. Okay. Which is Saturday. I'm also trying to go to the one on Sunday. So if anyone wants to sell me a ticket, I'll go by myself. <laughs> one day is not going to be enough, huh? No. 45 songs, John. 45. 45 songs. Just gonna be, it'll, just be the same, it'll be the same 45 the next day. No, it won't. She does two that are different every time. And I won't she be able to. Yeah, two she are does different. what? Two, there's two songs that are different every show okay that's smart because yeah. i almost was gonna go on the uh um i went to uh uh pearl jam concert like probably about 10 years ago and i went on the second day and it was like a three-day show it was in, De in detroit and uh they literally don't play any of the same songs and so <laughs> i was like i'm hoping that i was gonna hear some hit songs that i really want to hear and they were like oh no no they played them yesterday i'm like what are we doing here? Like, I'm sorry, I don't have the money to go to all three shows. So that is that is good that she does that. She you know? could change. She could do that where she changes them every time. But like, I feel like people would just get mad if they didn't if they went to one where like their yeah big song wasn't playing. I don't know. Either what way, would that be? I, what would be, that be? What would be? What would be that song for me? They, yes. Hmm. Well, okay. So if. We're talking about like main set list. If I went to a show and she didn't play Cruel Summer, I would actually lose my sh shit. Okay. Um, and yes, I did have to curse there. That was necessary. Um, <laughs> What's that one about? Uh, uh, it's about <laughs> the beginning of her, her relationship with her boyfriend of six, seven years. And you how- know I, You know why I asked you that. I know. It's not a break <laughs> song, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I and I and I've heard it believe me I, I know I just wanted to hear you say it I know I know what you're doing <laughs> by the way I'm watching him like smirk over there while he's asking these questions <laughs> <laughs> I know I know you're a diehard fan believe me I'm I understand and yeah. I don't I don't dislike her I just I know it is what it is whatever you uh you missed the opportunity to highlight um her on your greatest albums of all time that you guys did on a <laughs> yeah I don't know how she didn't make it uh maybe next I time. don't know either she what would yours be next time <laughs> what would yours be ooh and ooh. again these aren't it was very very clear that this was not what you think are the five best albums these are the like basically if you had five albums to only listen to those five. So I really the key is that you got to have, we always felt like <laughs> got to have a lot of hits on there, you know, because it's got to yeah. be something that you're willing to listen to this whole album, not just like, well, I got to have this album on here because it has my one favorite song on there. No one's picking that. We only get five. Yeah. Well, if, are you asking me to rank my like Taylor Swift five albums? Or are you asking? No, me no, no. Just your in, in general, you don't have to rank oh, them either. Just what would be five, five albums that like you would just absolutely think are, are like your favorite that you you can't live without i'm sure that she has at least one of them oh she i could i that's what i was asking can i name all five taylor ones <laughs> yeah sure um I'm, I'm trying to think of you know what continuum by john mayer i know that's like i'm just talking about how much i love taylor and i'm talking about john mayer but you know whatever 
Um, Continuum by John Mayer is a fantastic album. <laughs> um, definitely Speak Now and Red by Taylor. Probably Reputation too. Mm. Yeah, one more. I, I can't do this. I don't know how y'all did this. You had at least a few weeks to prep this, which is not fair. Um, yeah, we had a couple days. It was tough because I, I really like a lot of Drake songs, but there yeah. weren't enough of my favorite songs on any single one album to vote off any of the other albums. Like if he just would have had two or three more on one, yeah. you know, like, like with Kanye West, you know, early in his career, he had a couple albums that just had, you know, right. a good five, 10 bangers on there where it was easy to pick one of those where it's always funny when Drake comes out with a new album and like hearing you, you talk about it. Cause you're like, yeah, it was good, but like none of them were banger bangers. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, if he, I put him in the conversation over the last, whatever, 10, 15 years of having like the most hit songs or at least being on the most hit songs with obviously uh, Rihanna's up there too. Obviously, I mean, watching the Super Bowl halftime show, I mean, just one hit after another and she didn't even cover all of them. You know them, what? But... Auntie by Rihanna would be one of mine. Okay. Thank you for bringing me back. There you go. To no, she's got a lot of hits, so I know that doesn't. That's her. That is I the best. That. The reason she hasn't put out an album, she literally said, is because she's like, it. Not, nothing I've done is as good as Auntie yet, and I'm not putting out something that's not as good or better than the last album I put out. I was okay. like, that's fair, Queen. I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait for you. Okay. All right. Great halftime show. Yeah, there you go. When's Taylor Swift going to do the halftime show? Never. Why not? Um, I don't really want her to, because like, if you think about it, so the best thing about being, being a Taylor fan is that like all the songs that like are on the radio are not the good ones. She has way better songs, but like, she's going to have to play like shake it off and me, which is arguably her worst song. Um, it's like stuff like that. And I don't want to oh, hear like, what's that one about? Great. But I don't want it like that's not a good representation of her as an artist. And I just don't think she could accurately do that because they'll make her play the hits. What are those songs about? Shake It Off? Yeah. It's about shaking off the haters like John Mishoda. <laughs> What's me about? Um, She promises that you'll never find anyone like her. Right. Right. Okay. I'm aware. I just want to I like to hear how both of those, that. neither of those were about dudes so yeah, i don't know i don't know i think that they probably are but well, sure. she does have haters like yourself that are i'm not a hater <laughs> i'm not a hater my haters are my motivators whatever god what do you have coming That's up fun. with the athletic tell the people well i hold on i just got it let's see here i want to get this latest here from john clark who covers the eagles he said, I'm told as of right now, the Eagles have not engaged in conversations with Ezekiel Elliott about joining the team and are happy with the running backs they have right now. It seems the Eagles, Bengals, and Jets are a wish list for Ezekiel Elliott and where he would like to play. Oh, so Chargers confirmed. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> um, I just got a notification that his mom posted something like a comment on a Blocking the Boys Instagram post. So I was like, oh. Oh. Salt. Um, yeah, so... No, uh, draft's coming up, so I got to get back with Dane Brugler. And now that we've kind of whittled down to what positions the Cowboys most likely will draft, probably going to write something about that next week. Uh, more mock drafts. And uh, then once we get into draft, whoever they draft, I I'm looking forward to 
writing some features about whatever players they draft high. Um, yeah. So that's the thing. You know, I talked to some writers that have covered teams a lot longer than I have. And this used to be a time of year where it's kind of like slowed down. And with how popular the draft is now, it's like, as soon as the season ends, no matter, as long as you're the team that do- didn't win the Super Bowl, it goes right into draft, like right away, like within two yeah. days, it's like, okay, now start writing about the draft because so many people love it. You know, for everybody that complains about mock drafts and, and big boards and things like that, well, the numbers say otherwise, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so we try and give the people what they want, you know? What do you think of, uh, what do you think of Dak's leg tattoo? I, did he get a leg tattoo and I didn't see it? Okay. Well, yeah, no. no. Go on the athletic. Go on the athletic. I, uh, I, I called, I called the tattoo artist yesterday. And we did a video call for, yeah, we did a video call for 40 minutes. He took me around the shop and everything. He's in Arizona. It's a, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting story. Did he get it like super week, super bowl weekend? No, he did it on Saturday, this past Saturday. Like, um, it's, it's the same guy that did CDs back. Oh, oh, that was, yeah. So, yeah. So he did CDs back in, uh, I don't know. I think CD lives in Frisco. Wait, and I so and I'm not seeing the article. Where is it? Oh, there it is. Found it. Yeah. So he did. A, he got his almost his entire right leg covered. Wow. Yeah. OK. Took Michael 10 hours. Man logo. Kobe Bryant Mamba logo. OK. OK. Oh, he got the skyline on there. OK. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Why does he have a Looney Tune on his leg now? That's so funny. He said, that's probably the one that most people have said. <laughs> the guy told me that he wanted Daffy Duck. And, and in that picture, he's Daffy Duck is pointing like up the way Dak points, like, you know, if he scores a touchdown. So I don't know. So he thinks of himself as Daffy Duck? I guess. I don't know. My um, favorite part on there, really, like, I don't know if you can see it on the one picture. My favorite is that he got the sign that's in front of the trailer house. park. Yeah. Where yeah. he where he grew up. I thought that was really cool. And I, I seen a picture. It's the I mean, it looks exactly like it. I like that he got the uh, Dallas Pegasus on his leg. Well, it's not technically, but yeah. So he the uh, tattoo artist said that it's it was for something for his mom. Uh, the Pegasus was for his mom. And he no, got like a moose. <laughs> yeah, and he got a he got a moose for his uh, brother Jace. But anyway, um, yeah. So he, so he flew the this crew of like five people out to his house, and it took him like ten hours on Saturday to do to complete this, and they like four people tattooing at the same time. Yeah, because normally it takes like multiple visits to get like a whole. Absolutely, yeah. So this is what people are doing now. They want to do it with four, four or five artists at the same time, so you can knock it all out in one sitting. So okay, this how much nice. do you think? How much do you think it would cost if you wanted to go to that guy's shop? Not fly him out to your house, but you wanted to go to a shop to do your entire leg. What do you think that that would cost you? Because I asked him. Well, so the funny thing is I have absolutely no concept of how much a tattoo costs. Um, oh, then this will make this even better then. Okay, perfect. <laughs> oh, God. Like, what? 10 grand? Is that? That's lower. higher. Higher? Oh, my higher. God. 50? Lower. Wait, what'd you say? 50? 20. 20. You said it would be 20, 20 grand if you go into the shop and get it done there. Um, but now he's all booked up. He does like a lot of like he did Jamar Chase and T Higgins. He, I mean, he's very booked right now. But when he opens his shop, you know, 
that's why I was like, what would it cost to do something like that? So I was just trying to ballpark then what would it cost for Dak to do that? Cause I'm sure it was a little bit more. Yeah, and then the fact that he flew all those people out and all that stuff. Yeah. Probably private too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you can draw and do tattoos, it sounds My like it's been a, busy a out life. here lately. All right. Yeah. Went to his brother's what, bachelor party the other day. I saw that. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. kind of fish was that that he was catching. I have no idea. I don't you know. know. That's definitely some. That's definitely some ocean stuff that uh, I'm not used to fishing for. So I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not used to fishing for anything. To be fair, so I, yeah. I've had walleye, and that's the only one that I can identify. I know what a catfish looks like. Oh, okay. Yeah, walleye was what that was out of a lake by that you were by, or what? Uh, river in okay. South Dakota. Yeah, I'm thinking that on those charters that they go out in the ocean. I mean, you yeah. know, like you go on a river or a lake, like with me being from Michigan. I mean, you can go to some wrong spots and you can sit there for an hour and not really catch anything. Those guys are catching a ton of fish. I mean, you they're have someone that's, them over too. Well, yeah, I mean, they're taking them to. I mean, there's a guy that's going to know where, you know, what to use as bait, where to go, Who's what time of day to go. Like every time they go out. Yeah, I know. I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've noticed that in their pictures. Yeah. All right, yeah. my guy out here getting tattooed, being busy, catching fish, hanging out yeah. with people at his house, throwing balls. We love to see it. <laughs> Sounds like the life. Yeah, go uh, subscribe to The Athletic so you can get content as riveting as this. That's right. And more. And hopefully a Steven reaction to memes. <laughs> we love to see that. Um, you can follow me at Meg Murray with four R's on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we have stuff for you every single day at Blogging the Boys. While you're not reading The Athletic, um, you can check us out at bloggingboys.com. Uh, also, make sure to listen to About Them Cowboys, as well as all the fun, awesome podcasts that we have for you every single day at Blogging the Boys, wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. Tell us how much you love us having John Mashoda on the podcast, because I love it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, as always... Dallas forever, Philly for never. You cannot have Ezekiel Elliott, Team Ariana. That is all. Awesome.